0: you're a wizard brenna i'm a what it's fun fiction welcome to fun fiction ladies and gentlemen the weekly show about fantastic movies and how to write about them (laughs) i am one of your hosts scotty moore
1: and I'm your other host, Brenna Clark. What
0: up, y'all? How's it been going? Brenna, how have you been?
1: I've been spectacular. Thank you for asking. Yeah,
0: I've just been listening to... I sent it to you earlier, but my favorite brand, band of all time, Ninja Sex Party, <laughs> released a new song called Danny uh, Danny, Did You Know, and it's. I've listened to it eight times since I saw that it came out like eight hours ago, so... I'm registering...
1: So once an hour. A
0: once-per-hour thing. And, of course, the video has Finn Wolfhard in it. And, yes, I am stalling, because I honestly do not have that much to say about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Professor Philosopher's Stone.
1: You are breaking my heart here, Scotty.
0: Well, Brenna, here's the problem with... Because we're going to do all seven. It's going to be like the Adventure Zone. We're going to break it apart. And here's my problem i have never seen or read harold potter and his fantastic adventures
1: yes we know (laughs) and we're very disappointed
0: (laughs) like we're so but i will say the only way i did and this was it's kind of this relates to fan fiction the only way i really knew of it other than Universal Studios where I would just go to Harry Potter world every day and get drunk off whiskey with butterbeer, um, was a thing called Wizard People Dear Reader. Do you know what this is? I, I do not. It is the fucking best thing that has ever happened to Harry Potter. And as what it is, is it's, I can't even remember the name of the guy who did it, but he's he's done like shows for Adult Swim and stuff. And he got drunk at a bar one time hanging out with his friends. And they looked at this guy who was legitimately like alone playing pool with headphones on. And they just go, what do you think he's listening to on there? And they go, an audiobook of Harry Potter. And that for some reason just became the funniest thing in the world to them. And then the drunk guy just started just narrating like, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, a book on tape. But he knew nothing the new he knew nothing about Harry Potter like me. So he would get into it and then just be like, and then Harry met Ron the Bear, that triumphant motherfucker he is and harry tried his best not to murder him on the spot like it's so it builds an entire lore out of harry potter that does not exist like harry just having god powers that he refuses to use the whole time and um the next morning he woke up with a million texts all saying that was so funny you need to do that for real and record it and so he sat down and muted the harry potter film And just talked over it for two hours, narrating everything, like, perfectly. And you can, like, listen to it and sync it up. And uh, I believe instead of Neville Longbottom, he calls him Upfish, which is enough to make me cry. And anytime Snape is on screen, he goes, That horrible woman, Severus Snape, is here. How dare he?
1: That does sound about right. It's the greatest shit of
0: all time. But I will say, since we do kind of need to talk about all HP, and I will let... This is more of a... I think this is a brenna gush hour, to be honest.
1: But... Well, how am I... I can't gush by myself. I'll gush
0: with you about certain things. But I will say, I did not... I've seen the first movie. I watched it, like, a few months ago. But instead, I actually read the book. Did you? Which being a 25 year old man reading a book meant for 12 year olds
1: i don't want to hear that nonsense no 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 it's not uh,
0: bruna i need something to give the internet so they don't all publicly fucking thrash me for saying i wasn't a big fan of the book
1: look you know people go through their phases and they grow and they change and you're just at a a maturity now where you can read the Harry Potter books
0: I don't think I think I'm the opposite I've gone beyond because there's a real like black and white morality that I'm not down with where it's like if you like Harry you're a good person if you don't like Harry you can go fuck yourself because you're clearly a demon Uh, unless you're Snape I
1: don't I don't think no Harry's kind of worthless sometimes oh
0: my girl straight firstly remember this is just sorcerer's stone so it cannot go into anything else also if you did you would be spoiling it for me as well
1: i didn't say anything i'm just saying he's a little bit worthless like if you take ron and hermione away it he wouldn't make it.
0: He wouldn't, and it's the worst. Also, I do love, and I bring this up in my fan fiction, how at the end where Dumbledore's just like, hold up, it's this fucking superstar from Mario Party level where I'm just going to give out all these extra points. The points that he gives to Ron are for fucking chess.
1: Uh, but that was the greatest game of Wizard's Chess ever played, Godford i am aware Moore. of
0: that but with her mind like imagine if you are a student in that auditorium the student hears hermione she's very clever and wise harry was so courageous ron played some good ass chess and for that we will give her, okay. give him 50 points
1: but listen he's not all that terribly bright so it means a whole lot <laughs>
0: Exactly. I will say reading through it, I loved the side characters so much more than I loved like your main dudes. Like the Weas I want a book about the Weasley twins and that's it. Like they are the best.
1: Yeah, Fred and George. Fred- are a good Yeah, chunk of they my are heart. my
0: favorite on the in, in the entire world. Like, um, my favorite is when you're riding the, uh, Hogwarts Express at Universal Studios, you don't really see actual outside, you see, like, a video of you going through it, and at one point, Fred and, uh, Fred and George just go wing past you and then fling out fireworks advertising Weasley, we, 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 fucking their shop, no. the shop better <laughs> yep.
1: run. Weasley's wizard... Wheezes. I always call it
0: wizarding wheezes for some reason, but yeah,
1: that's not it. Also
0: known as the place that smells the best at universal Studios um also I, like I don't have too many complaints like it is a kid's book, so I don't want to go into this realm.
1: Of, I'm going to hurt you if you say that it, time. Is a book,
0: it's, it has scholastic at the bottom of it I can't who
1: cares this.
0: well, Brenna, they got Scotty. They got, so racist against my people.
1: Your people being who? The
0: Slytherin people.
1: Oh, well, you know what? There's there something wicked this way comes from Slytherin. No, my dude. no,
0: no, fuck you. They're good kids. There are plenty of good kids in Slytherin, but no fucking fake news don't want to point them out. They're just like, let's look at Draco and all the shit he's hey, doing. Hey
1: you don't know you know nothing about draco malfoy you're gonna shut your mouth right now (laughs) look hold on i'm
0: coming from a perspective of a first-time reader and in that
1: that's fine in that
0: case (laughs) my perspective is that draco malfoy can eat a big dick he is the worst no
1: he's not the worst he's misunderstood thank you very much no
0: no i think i understand yes, him yes. i understand he's a you sh- don't Brenna. you can't take this stance on draco because you will not like my fan you will not like my fanfiction at all if you take this stance on draco
1: scotty do you not you do you not know me at all do you not know who i am <laughs> you're like if you've
0: been on my instagram once
1: do you not know that my mom like specifically buys me Slytherin merchandise because of, Draco Malfoy is my boyfriend? Look,
0: I understand you got your feelings for this little fucking shithead. Hey, hey! <laughs> look, wait on, hold on. I was wrong about Steve Harrington. When I watched season right. one, I may come around on Draco, but you cannot argue right. that episode book one. Draco is a class one asshole but it uh, <clears throat> fun also like i don't know like i hate when you make a villain that doesn't really have not a villain i guess like an anti-hero well not even that because he's not much of a hero who's kind of just like a dick and has no personality behind him and that's how draco felt and i was like man i because no no i'm with you as a Slytherin, anytime I if I see Draco, like there, in one of the Harry Potter rides, Draco comes in for a minute and knocks Harry off a broom during a game of Quidditch, and I'm like, "Fuck yes, yes, Slytherin!" But he did not have much of a character in this book. It is he is legitimately there to be antagonizing Harry the whole time. I, I can't talk to you. Okay, okay. About give me, this, give me your love. I want your love of this book. I don't even teach teach Chunk how love. Teach me love, Brenna. I don't. I don't even know where to start. Brenna, this episode will be universally panned by all of our listeners (laughs) if we don't get someone talking about
1: how good Harry Potter is and quick. Look, I I didn't even rewatch this movie because I know it by heart. Okay, is. And my whole, I have a bigger list for, like, things that I love than anything that we've done thus far okay. on this okay, show.
0: bring it, girl, bring it.
1: Well, if I read them all, it's just going to be like me reciting the plot. No.
0: <laughs> no, it's the lines of the fucking film. It's just like, well, my first nope. favorite thing about it is how it panned in, and then you saw the words Privet Drive, and then you saw Dumbledore walk in with the street darkener and then darken the street, and then that was it.
1: I'm not kidding. I do have actual lines on here.
0: Yeah. Okay. But- Hit me with it. But, Hit me with it, girl.
1: Well, Okay, we'll start from the tippy-top. And I... I, I'm sure you know this, but I have a huge fascination with snakes. And so the whole opening... Well, close to the opening scene where he's talking to the snake and then lets it out of the cage with magic was like my childhood dream.
0: It's yeah, that was a re- that's a really dope scene in the movie. I really do enjoy it. Although technically, the first time I saw it was the Wizard People Dear Reader version, which was the best shit on the planet. I'm I don't want to spoil too many jokes from it, but just you need to watch it one day. Um,
1: I'll have to. But yeah, it up. is
0: a really cool scene. Like. I I can't wait to get into the second, because, like, I think Wizard People, Dear Reader, has tainted me a little bit. And I can't wait to get into the second one, where I have not got as much taint on me from something. Uh,
1: that was... <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, the second one's my favorite, but... Mm-hmm. So, if you shit on that one, I'm gonna have to kill you. But... <laughs> well, no, no,
0: look, um... look here. I'm not a big fan of the first Quizzle Court book. I feel like I got better as a writer and I'm going to trust that Jake Rowling, Jake from State Farm, gets better with her That's, time.
1: But I, uh, Scotty. Okay. Um, I have a couple things on the letter scene. Well, where there are a, a million letters flying through the air and it just baffles me every single time how he did not... get at least one
0: well it's kind of like when you get trapped in one of those like the money things where they flow out the money in the air and you have to catch it like in
1: matilda yeah yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) and when you get out and you're like wow i only grabbed like five dollars how's that possible
1: but that's still five dollars he could have got one and shoved it down his pants or something i don't think uncle vernon's gonna reach in there yeah
0: uncle pig fat got real upset and i think that's kind of what happened
1: But, and you know, it could have all been avoided if he didn't, like, leave the first one out where Dudley could see it if he just, like, stuck it up his shirt and went into his closet. I mean, you know, the...
0: Exactly. the... The shame closet.
1: Yeah. And
0: i mean yeah i 100 i agree with that and anytime a character who's like just a huge dick gets kind of comeuppance or in this case goes buck fucking crazy i love it more than anything so seeing dursley just go insane trying to prevent them from like getting letters was the best
1: literally i still say to myself when i'm driving home from somewhere and like in the back of my head, I'm like, I should check the mail. And then it's Sunday. And I'm like, no post on Sundays.
0: No post on Sundays.
1: I, 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 it amazes me that you didn't go throughout your childhood waiting for your Hogwarts letter. That just, no, but- that's something completely <laughs> new to me.
0: No, no, Brenna. I I read a series of unfortunate events as a kid, so I was actually waiting. For, <laughs> I was waiting for my house to burn down and my parents to die. <laughs> I was just like, one day, and I'm gonna go live with my uncle, my evil uncle Olaf.
1: oh I thought you were gonna say your uncle Monty, and I was like, yes, that's the ending they deserved.
0: Exactly, fucking Olaf. Um, we do need to do a full uh. I was about to call it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And I don't know why. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's always sunny in unfortunate events episode. We need to do that. Um,
1: We do. I don't know why that's not on the list
0: already. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, I like it. It's a good book. Kinda. It's just, I'm sorry. Tell me more. Tell me more. Teach me to love.
1: I'm trying. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see. Um, I I was just thinking to myself, like, the wizarding world is not really exactly safe for children. And, like, they go into this, this goblin bank with these scary-ass goblins mm-hmm. that can like, eat your arm off. And then when he goes and tries out his wand, like, he blows up the whole shop, basically. Yeah. And I'm thinking, is that what happens every time a new wizard kid goes in there and he has to rearrange all his little boxes and like put out fires and i just don't
0: which by the way that's he... not in the book i didn't realize that like i thought the book was gonna be like harry grabs the wand and then suddenly fucking hog fucking Ollivander's leg blows away but no instead it's just like take this one nope okay this one no nope. and they're just like that's it and i'm like man come on have a little
1: dramatic effects.
0: dramatics um I, I will... Okay, I want you to agree with me on two things.
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: Harry, Harry sucks.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Harry's the worst. And uh-huh. and I guess it's because, like, this is the first book, so you have to really try to introduce this massive universe, which is not easy. But the plot on this one, uh, the pacing is a bit quick.
1: Well, I mean, not... Inconceivably so, I did, don't think. You, I think did it. Did you play as Samus? Whenever
0: play as Samus when you played Super Smash Brothers, and you know her super move, you have to charge it up for like ten seconds, and then you get like one blast at the end. That's the plot of this book. It's a whole lot of charging up and then fucking chest game keys, and then also okay now dead. Okay,
1: but here's the. Th- <laughs> Scotty, you're on the first one. You have to understand Brenna, that this I is know. not. I'm giving you from
0: my perspective now. I need you to teach me love.
1: I'm I'm so trying, but you're not letting me
0: go. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm, Brenna. I'm gonna sit here quietly and vape and drink a diet coke. While oh my god. Just go.
1: <laughs> no, you have to. You have to respond to me, or else I'm gonna feel like a dum dum just talking to myself. <laughs>
0: No, Brenna, um, but you're why the people are here. Go, get it.
1: Jeez. Okay, so um, I had an actual chocolate frog from uh, Universal because my cousin sent it to me, and uh-huh. I was halfway afraid to open it up because I thought it was going to jump at my face. It didn't. Okay, um, wait, wait, hold
0: on. Do you remember what card you got?
1: Yeah, Rowena Ravenclaw.
0: Ah, uh, no, but you're a Gryffindor, aren't you?
1: Yes. My
0: girl, this is not a joke. I got Salazar Slytherin, and all was right in the fucking universe. I was like, yes! I did it!
1: Well, I've always thought that I was a Ravenclaw, but when I took the Pottermore Pottermore test, the Sorting Hat put me in Gryffindor, which I'm like, okay, cool, but I don't know. Like uh, Travis said... That was, well, I wasn't 11, but mm-hmm. that was my teenage self. And who knows if that is a good judge yeah. of my character. Anyway, um, my note for Draco is Draco fucking Malfoy, aerodynamic hair, sneer, Malfoy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> aerodynamic hair! He says that about himself. Not Draco, but Tom. The love of my oh, life, yeah, Tom yeah. Belton says that about himself. Um, hermione is my spirit animal i was her straight up when i was a kid like Mm -hmm. big bushy hair everything my mom used to call me a fry guy like i don't know if you remember from mcdonald's they like yeah yeah um let's see
0: i really like hermione's character because she reminds me of any female that's ever come to me and blake Like, any female that's ever hung out with us just kind of has to, like, hold her head in her hands and be like, these two fucking idiots. That tracks.
1: Yeah, that that tracks. tracks. (laughs) I feel that. Yeah. Um, This, I, uh, so when Draco steals the Remembrall and- He says, um, maybe he'll remember to fall on his fat arse. Like, I just thought that was the greatest line of all time. And I said arse literally all the time because I did not understand that it was, an was ass. Yeah. So I would just said it at school, just, you know. Arse, <laughs> is, in a,
0: arse is in that same category as uh, bloody, which is if you say it not in a British accent, you immediately sound really dumb. Yeah. You gotta fall on your bloody arse. All right, I'm gonna need you to calm down.
1: <laughs> or like bugger too, if you're just. Uh,
0: yep, bugger all. Um, I don't know. I feel like some Seattle hipsters could get into saying bugger all. They could be like, "What's up, bugger all?" All right, that guy.
1: that sounds terrible.
0: Calm down, Kurt. Quit it now. Just Kurt. Make me my, make me my fucking coffee. Shut up, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Me and Todd have to
1: get somewhere... Hey, okay? <laughs> Kyle, do you want to see Uncle Cracker or no?
0: <laughs> Welcome to... We list white people
1: names. <laughs> oh, That's a good show. We should keep that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Try to think.
0: Also, the remember all... Uh, reading it in the book, it really gives it a better idea of like what the fuck that is. Because in the movie... Homeboy just pulls out this orb, and it looks like it fills with blood, and I'm like, what did Neville just get? What just happened to Neville?
1: He tells you what it is.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, this might still be wizard people, dear reader, infecting me.
1: I think it is.
0: Okay, okay, I'm sorry, he I'm says,
1: sorry. he's like, but the problem is, I can't remember what I've forgotten, and it's because he didn't have his robes on.
0: Oh, I yeah, I learned yeah. that.
1: yeah um i was terrified by the screaming book in the library i was always afraid that um books were gonna do that just just scream at you yeah just scream at me Mm -hmm. um you have to admit that the magical creatures are magical like fluffy the beautiful three-headed dog that i want to take home with me
0: I love Fluffy. I have a bit of a problem of how Fluffy is shown on the cover of the Harry Potter book. Because it's not three dog heads horizontally. It's three of them vertically. Which means yeah. Fluffy has a lot different of a look in the mind of that artist. Well, yeah. Um, the dragon is fucking adorable when the dragon happened. I loved that. Yes. Now... As a human embodiment of a unicorn, I got a little <laughs> bit of a fucking problem. Oh, they were like, how do we introduce this mystical creature? Oh, yeah. it's dead.
1: Well, yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a plot point.
0: Mm-hmm. But it is see, a plot point.
1: Here, here is also where I would like to point out that you see a different side to Draco in which he is scared out of his mind. And so he's not just this little shithead kid. He's He's got feelings. What the fuck? I
0: feel like anyone would in that situation. Okay. Also, I, I don't know why, but I have a problem with the minotaurs. I don't know if it's the fact that they come in so late into the book and I have a problem with introducing a character that late. The centaurs? But, oh, sorry. I get centaurs and minotaurs mixed up. But yeah, where the centaur is just randomly like, sup, bitches. Anyways, how y'all doing? Oh fuck, that's that's unicorn blood. Bye bye, and then leaves.
1: There's all kinds of things in that forest, Scotty. I mean, it could have been a, a troll that walked up, which one did, but yeah, but well,
0: it could have been like a dude named Greg. They could. What's up, guys? I'm Greg of the forest. Nice to meet you. oh uh... Greg. Of the
1: forest. Ow. Ow, Greg
0: can't Greg twice in a week okay yes
1: we can
0: all right give me give me your number one favorite thing and that'll end the segment
1: oh my god my number one favorite thing I don't know I I can't I can't choose well one one thing one of the lines that I had that I did not read out that I think about all the time is when Hermione's like nearly headless how can you be nearly headless and then nearly headless nick is like like this and then pulls his head to the side yeah (laughs) i I wish i was a ghost i
0: love the ghosts the ghosts are great they are great the ghosts might be my you know in the bathrooms at universal like the men's bathrooms moaning myrtle will fucking talk to you
1: that's disturbing moaning myrtle is yeah it's the worst shit
0: so yeah but you know what's not the worst shit brenna
1: what is not the worst shit, Scotty? Is it the best shit?
0: It's the best shit. This my shit. This my shit. This shit is B-A-N-A-N-A-S. But- <laughs> over at com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Get your BS merch over at com. We got for a load of BS Fight Boys, Opposite Attractions, and of course, you know we gotta have fun fiction merch over there. Uh, we got merch, in, we got the one with us is Funko Pops. We got kind of an eighties themed one. I really want to make one with um uh with Sydney Rosenthorn on it. Like a yes. wanted poster for Sydney Rosenthorn. I don't know. And we, and we may release that with the next Adventure Zone episode. But yeah, you can get all of that over at com. Now, Brenna, I did make a request to you before the show, and I want to go second. Because I'm going to destroy you with my fan fiction.
1: I keep telling you, you think that, but you just don't know.
0: Oh my god, my girl! You just—I mean, you can you, go on, go give, do your
1: little attempt. I mean, do your I'm going to—you're going to you do you're it. eat your words. Okay, okay. All right. Now, if you're ready. The story that I have prepared for you today is called "The Absurd Academy," and it's by uh, Capostrophe. I think C A P O S T R O P H E. Okay. So, okay, chapter the first. If you have ever heard the word magic, it has perhaps conjured up in your mind a poorly paid actor in a cape with a plastic wand and a deck of playing cards. He or she probably pulls rabbits out of hats and astoundingly tells you what cards you picked in an enjoyable display of whimsy and wonder, which your parents probably paid far too much to take you and see. I'm sorry to As, tell you this. Uh, hold
0: on. As a magician,
1: I take a lot of offense to that description of my people. <laughs> I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the magic you're about to read about is not this kind of magic. Just like science or English literature, any sort of knowledge you might find fascinating is automatically made boring if you are forced to study it in school. As the magic in the story is studied at school rigorously with lots of homework and exams, then it can be Of no more interest to you than that maths homework you are currently ignoring in favor of reading fan fiction. And there is therefore no reason you should read this story for even one minute further, as this chapter in the lives of the three Baudelaire orphans features not only. In the Lives of the Three Baudelaire Orphans features not only the drudgery of learning magic at school, but other horrors, including elves that cook lavish dinners, sorting ceremonies, humans with horse bodies, and a very dangerous flying sporting match. I've sworn to do my duty and record every miserable st- step in the Baudelaire Orphans' miserable journey, but you, as far as I'm aware, have not. You would do well to turn off whatever e-reader, smartphone, tablet, or heinous digital reading device you may be reading the story on and seek something more cheer- cheerful to to read preferably from a book with real paper it's the best you have no idea
0: <laughs> I, I, I need you to read it though as patrick Warburton. i'm not i'm getting the right vibes you <laughs> the lives of the baudelaire orphans are very very complicated well, get
1: it. we should probably switch fan fictions then because i can't do that <laughs> the Baudelaire orphans were at the at a train station. This may sound like old news to some of you, as if you have read and of the woeful tales of the Baudelaire's lives, and I sincerely hope you haven't, you'd know that the three children had recently journeyed, a word which here means traveled, on a train to Paltryville, where they had been put to work in a lumber mill by a man whose face was obscured by a cloud of smoke. You've probably met someone like that. If not, you lead a sheltered life. Of course, I sincerely hope you have not delved into that chapter of the Baudelaire's lives, but I shall probably never know as you are not reading this right now, and even if you were, you would not be talking to me because reading is not a telephone. I've lost my train of thought, (laughs) so I'll begin again. Reading
0: is not a telephone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The Baudelaire orphans were at a train station. Now, this may sound... I seem to have blown it. I'll try one more time. The Baudelaire orphans were at a train station, still exhausted from their time-stripping logs, at, uh, logs of bark and Lucky Smell's Lumber Mill, and in Klaus's case, woozy from being hypnotized multiple times in the span of a few weeks. None of them were excited about yet another long journey, but when Mr. Poe had burst in announcing he had found them a place in an overseas boarding school and that they would leave for London in the morning, the children couldn't quite help feel a twinge of hope ever since their parents had perished in a terrible fire violet klaus and sunny had been pursued by a dastardly and terribly dressed villain named count olaf who chased them from guardian to guardian trying to lay his hands on their enormous fortune olaf had found them everywhere they went fooling guardian after guardian with his ridiculous disguises and killing anyone who stood in his way but perhaps the children thought by traveling by plane to london then by trying to someplace else in the remote countryside of Scotland, the Baudelaire's would finally be far enough away that Count Olaf would not be able to find them. They were wrong, of course, but I'm getting ahead of, ahead of myself. At this moment, as the Baudelaire's sto- stood at the entrance of King Cross Station, luggage in hand, and jet lag threatening to overwhelm them, the phrase jet lag here means tiredness after being kept awake by a snoring banker during a seven-hour flight. This small hope of being far away from Count Olaf flickered in each of their minds, and their tiredness and irritation after their long flight began to dwindle. "'These in-flight peanuts are truly superb,' said Mr. Pope, pulling yet another package he pilfered from the flight out of his pocket and tearing it open. Half the contents immediately fell to the ground. "'Are you sure you wouldn't like a packet, Baudelaire's? A bit of protein might keep your strength up for the journey ahead. "'Hypangea!' Sonny said, which probably meant something along the lines of a tiny packet of nuts won't do much for our strength, especially as you kept us awake the whole flight snoring. Her siblings, usually quick to translate for their baby sister, chose to keep the meaning of this comment from the banker. <laughs> I know why you're all so quiet, Mr. Post said. It's because you're excited and I don't blame you. I always wanted to go to bro- boarding school when I was younger, but I never had the chance. I'm a little jealous of you if you want to know the truth. The Baudelaire's looked at one another while excited is a pertinent word to describe how one might feel before one's birthday party or before a new season of their favorite Netflix original series is released for streaming. It did not describe how the children felt about their current situation. Being at a boarding school, especially when they knew nothing about in a country that they had never visited in a part of the world with, with that had been described to them as a dismal climate was only making them feel nervous. The only thing that had kept them from turning and rushing for the nearest flight back to their hometown was the thought that at least if they had nothing, they would be far away from villainous actors. And even then that hope was small. You're very lucky to be here, Mr. Poe continued. I had to call more than four schools before I found one that could take all three of you at such short notice. Prufrock Prep, it was called, and I was just lifting my pen to sign the paperwork when the most unusual thing happened. An enormous owl flew through my office window carrying a letter in its mouth. Now, as intelligent children, you should know that owls are strictly forbidden from entering bank premises, so I had a good mind to shoo it away. But then it passed me the letter, and it flew off before I had the chance. Violet frowned. What was in the letter, and why would someone deliver it by owl? Owls, in fact, are quite handy for delivering mail, as well as keeping pesky mice away from your bedroom. Carrier crows have also known to be handy for sending messages in an emergency. I myself once dropped a top-secret note inside a small, compact, compact vessel I had stolen from a very important tea set, and an owl and a crow together bore it away to the woman I loved. The letter, Mr. Post said, having paused to cough during my monologue just now, instructed me that all three of you had been offered a place at Hogwarts, one of the most prestigious schools in the world. The funny thing is, I don't remember putting your names down there, but an owl did send me the letter, and it's always a good idea to trust birds with envelopes in their beaks. It is not, of course, always a good idea to trust birds with envelopes in their beaks. An envelope in a bird's beak may contain worms they wish to to feed you as if you were their young, or a nasty note from your enemies, or a... Poem by Pablo Neruda with a personalized love note on the back from a pretentious romantic who believes you are the future mov- mother of his children. The Baudelaires would learn very soon that not all bird delivered mail was a fortunate occurrence. But who signed the letter? Who signed us up? And why did you choose this school when you already had us down for another one? And why would a school be called Hogwarts? Klaus asked. Klaus, you are very inquisitive for such a young boy, Mr. Post said, using a word which here means full of questions. The letter was signed by the headmaster of Hogwarts School, a Professor Albus Dumblybum, or er, BumbleDum, Dumble, oh, I'm sure he'll allow you to call him Dumbie. The Baudelaire's looked at each other, unable to <laughs> unable to imagine any headmaster of any prestigious school allowing them to call him Dumby. However, they felt this was probably not the time to say so, especially when they had one more important question to ask. The three children looked at each other. Violet raised her eyebrow. Klaus nodded. Sunny began chewing her luggage tag. And in this way, they silently agreed. "'Mr. Poe,' Violet began tentatively, "'I know we're traveling very far from home. "'You'll soon get over your homesickness, Violet. "'I'm surprised at you. "'A big girl of your age still worrying about that. "'Anyway, I should think with your home "'having been burned to the ground, "'you'd have nothing to miss.' "'I'm not worried about homesickness,' Violet tried again, "'irritated and restraining herself from reacting "'to Mr. Poe's insensitive comments about her family home. "'I'm worried about Count Olaf, even overseas. "'Is there a chance he could find us?' Don't you worry your little heads about Count Olaf, Mr. Post said, in what he likely thought was a soothing tone. In the reply I sent by Carrier Pigeon, I informed Headmaster um, Dumbie about Count Olaf and sent a detailed description, everything from his one long eyebrow to the tattoo of an eye on his left ankle. I was informed by a note that popped through my fireplace just before we left that the staff would be taking every precaution to prevent Count Olaf from entering the grounds. They are magic, after all, so I'm sure they have their ways of keeping you safe. The expression you could have heard a pin drop is an odd one. Not many people sit around and listen for pins falling from the sky, but people often use this expression when referring to a stunned silence so quiet that bystanders would be able to hear a pin drop, as if someone bothered to bring along a pin, hold it up high, and throw it to the ground in a tantrum. I'm sorry to use this obnoxious expression, but it is a good way to describe the stunned silence that followed when Mr. Poe delivered this news to the Baudelaire's. Mr. Poe replying by carrier pigeon and receiving a response through his fireplace was odd enough to process, but when the banker had used the words they are magic as casually as if he were saying they are acrobats or they are firemen, it made the children freeze in their tracks. What do you mean... Klaus began finally, after finding his tongue again. They're magic. Do you mean they're magicians? Don't be silly, Klaus. Magicians don't run schools. They perform card tricks. Surely a boy of your age knows that. Then what do you mean magic, Violet tried? How can they be magic? I don't have time to explain all this to you children. Mr. Poe shook his head straight in the top. "'straightened his top hat and coughed a few times into his handkerchief. "'I'm already missing several days of work just to bring you over here, "'and I really must be getting back to the bank as soon as possible. "'I'm sure your teachers will explain it all to you when you get there.' "'He reached out and patted each of the children on the head. "'Now here are your train tickets. "'They all read Platform 9 and 3 quarters, "'which I assume is where the Hogwarts Express departs. "'If you have any concerns at all, you may reach me at the bank. "'I've been informed there are no telephones at Hogwarts, "'but you may send me a message by OWL if you so desire.' What, Klaus said? We don't know how to send messages by owl, and I've read all about King's Cross Station. I don't think there is is such a platform as nine and three quarters. If it's printed on a ticket, it must be true, Mr. Poe said crossly. Now run along and get your train, children. I'm sure you'll have a jolly time in an old English boarding school, midnight feast and that sort of thing. I thought you said it was in Scotland, Klaus said. And what do you mean magic, Violet tried one more time, but Mr. Poe had already disappeared off into the street, his coughs echoing behind him. The children stood at the edge of the platform, gazing at their unusual tickets, their heads swimming with confusion. McNaughton, Sonny said, which meant something along the lines of, Mr. Poe's finally gone loopy. And so the Baudelaire orphans found themselves, half an hour later, still waiting at a train station with tickets that didn't make sense, about to travel to a school where the teachers were supposedly magic, and all communication depended on unpredictable nocturnal bird life. All three of them hoped desperately that this was a dream and that they would wake up still on their flight heading to a normal boarding school, which Mr. Poe would explain to them without using the words magic or owl. I'm sorry to say that it was not. The end.
0: Oh, I love, I love it. It's so good. Oh, I loved it so much. Oh, man, I don't... Fuck. That was good. Don't. Well, it was so. It was written just like Lemony Snicket. It was.
1: was... I haven't read any more of their stuff, but this is the only chapter that they did, and I'm, like, really upset about it.
0: Okay. Now let's move on to mine, and, um. Brenna. There's not much fan fiction that gets its own Wikipedia page. But. What are you about to read? I'm about to read what is number one on numerous top ten worst fanfiction lists. This is what we have gotten it and my girl this is multiple. I'm happy we're doing seven of these because this is going to be multi-part but this is my Immortal by The Kitchen's Darkness.
1: I have heard of this, but I have not read it.
0: Oh, well, get ready to go on an adventure, my girl. <clears throat> Hi! My name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way, and I have long ebony black hair, that's how I got my name, with purple streaks and red tips that reaches my mid-back and icy blue eyes like limpid tears. And a lot of people tell me I look like Amy Lee. Authors know, if you don't know who she is, uh, get the hell out of here. I'm not related to Gerard Way, but I wish I was, because he's a major fucking hottie. I'm a vampire, but my teeth are straight and white. I have pale white skin, and I'm also a witch. And I go to a magic school called Hogwarts in England where I'm in the seventh year. I'm 17. I'm a goth, in case you couldn't tell, and I wear mostly black. I love Hot Topic, and I buy all my clothes from there. For example, today, I was wearing a black corset with matching lace around it and a black leather miniskirt, pink fishnets, and black combat boots. I was wearing black lipstick, white foundation, black eyeliner, and red eyeshadow. I was walking outside Hogwarts. Brenna, this this might seem like a personal attack to 13-year-old you, and I apologize.
1: Oh, it it does, and I was going to say so, but I'm glad that you brought it up first.
0: (laughs) I was walking outside Hogwarts. It was snowing and raining, so there was no sun, which I was very happy about. A lot of preps stared at me. I put up my middle finger at them. Hey, Ebony, shouted a voice. It was... Draco Malfoy. What's up, Draco? I asked. Nothing. He asked. He said shyly. But then I heard my friends call me, and I had to go away. Author's note: Is this good? Please tell me. Thanks. Hm? Chapter two. Author's note: Thanks to Bloody Tears six 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 for helping me with the chapter. By the way, Preps, stop flaming my story, okay? The next day, I woke up in my bedroom. It was snowing and raining again. Snowing and raining. I opened the door of my coffin and drank some blood from a bottle I had. My coffin was black ebony, and inside it was a hot pink velvet with black lace on the ends. I got out of my coffin and took of my giant MCR t-shirt, which I used for pajamas. Instead, I put on a black leather dress, a pentagram necklace, combat boots, and black fishnets on. I put on four pairs of earrings and my pierced ears and put my hair in a kind of messy bun. My friend Willow, author's note, Raven, Raven, this is you, woke up, then grinned at me. She flipped her long waist-length raven black hair with pink strip streaks and opened her forest <laughs> green eyes. She put on her Marilyn Manson t-shirt with a black mini, fishnets, and pointed high-heeled boots. We put on our makeup, black black lipstick, white foundation, and black eyeliner. Oh my fucking god, I saw you talking to Draco Malfoy yesterday, she said excitedly. Yeah, so, I said, blushing. Do you like Draco? She asked as we went out of the Slytherin common room and into the Great Hall. No, I so fucking don't, I shouted. Yeah, right, she exclaimed. Just then, Draco walked up to me. Hi, he said. (laughs) Hi? I replied flirtily. Oh, hold on. It's flirtily. Hi. I have replied. (laughs) That was
1: terrible. (laughs) Guess
0: what? Guess what? Draco said. What? I asked. Well, good Charlotte are having a concert in Hogsmeade. He told me. Oh, my fucking God. I screamed. I love GC. They are my favorite band. Well, besides MCR. Well, you want to go with me he asked i gasped chapter three author's note uh stop flaming the story preps okay otherwise thanks to the gothic people for the good reviews thanks again raven oh yeah by the way i don't own this or the lyrics for good charlotte on the in case you didn't know this is not the person who owns good charlotte's music good to know on the night of the concert, I put on my black lace-up boots with high heels. Underneath them were ripped red fishnets. Then I put on a black leather mini dress with all this corset stuff on the back and front. I put on matching fishnets on my arms, and I straightened my hair and made it look all spiky. I felt a little... Oh, no. Uh, I i didn't... I, I just knew it was bad, but... Uh, quick trigger warning! <laughs> I felt a little depressed then, so I slit one of my wrists... I read it, I read a depressing book while I waited for it to stop bleeding, and I listened to some good Charlotte, painted my nails black, and put on tons of black eyeliner. Then I put on black lipstick. I didn't put on foundation, because, I mean, I'm pale anyways. I drank some human blood, as opposed to, I don't know. So I was ready to go to <laughs> concert. I went outside. Draco was waiting there in front of his flying car. You know, the flying car Draco owns. Draco's flying car. Yeah he was wearing a simple plan t-shirt they would also be playing at this show baggy black skater pants black nail polish and a little bit of eyeliner that is hold on (laughs) go go on
1: that's my dream right there i'm just seeing it in my head (laughs) author's note uh,
0: a lot of cool boys were it okay yeah they did hi draco i said in a depressed voice Hi, Ebony, he said back. We walked into his flying black Mercedes Benz. The license plate says 666 and flew to the place with the concert. On the way, we listened excitedly to Good Charlotte and Marilyn Manson. We both smoked cigarettes and drugs. Oh, oh, when we both, both got there, we both hopped out of the car. We went to the mosh pit at the front of the stage and jumped up and down as we listened to Good Charlotte. You come in cold, you're covered in blood. They're all so happy you've arrived. The doctor cuts your cord, hands you to your mom, sets you free into this life, sang Joel. I don't own- I don't own- Guys, I don't own the lyrics to that song. <laughs> Joel is so fucking hot, I said to Draco, pointing to him as he sung, filling the club with his amazing voice. Suddenly, Draco looked sad. What's wrong? I asked as we moshed the music. I don't know if you've ever moshed- you can't exactly have a conversation yeah it it doesn't work like that hold on let me see if i can kind of get get what it sounds like what's wrong (laughs) i asked (laughs) and then i caught on hey it's okay i don't like him better than you i said really asked draco sensitively and then he put his arm around me all protective really i said Besides, I don't even know Joel, and he's going out with Hillary fucking Duff. I, fucking hate, that. I fucking hate that little bitch, I said, disgustingly, thinking of her blonde face.
1: That's Lizzie McQuarrie. Her blonde you. face.
0: The night went on really well, and I had a great time. So did Draco. After the concert, we drank some beer, and I asked Benji and Joel for their autographs and photos with him. We got good Charlotte concert tees. Draco and I crawled back into the Mercedes Benz. But Draco didn't go back to Hogwarts. Instead, <gasps> he drove into the Forbidden Forest.
1: Gross.
0: Chapter 4. Author's note. I said stop flaming, okay? Ebony's name is Enobi, not Murray Sue, okay? Draco is so in love with her that he is acting deferent. They know each other before, okay? Now it's turned into Tommy so.
1: Yeah, I know. I was really confused. All right.
0: Draco, I shouted. What the fuck do you think you're doing? Draco didn't answer, but he stopped the flying car and he walked out of it. I walked out of it, too, curiously. What the fucking hell? I asked angrily. Ebony, he asked. What? I snapped. Draco leaned in extra close and I looked in his gothic red eyes. He was Mm. wearing color. He was well, he was wearing color contacts, Uh, which revealed it revealed so much depressing sorrow and evilness and then suddenly i didn't feel mad anymore and then suddenly just as i draco kissed me passionately <laughs> that w- i read that exactly as it's written uh draco climbed on top of me and we started to make out keenly against a tree you know how keen you are to make out that's what <laughs> it- he took of a- he took of my top and i took of his clothes i even took of my bra Then he put his thingy into my you-know-what, and we did it for the first time. Oh, oh, oh! Oh, oh, oh! Oh, Stop it. I screamed. I was beginning to get an orgasm. We started started to kiss everywhere, and my pale body became all warm, and then... What the hell are you doing, you motherfuckers? It was Dumbledore!
1: why was he southern
0: i don't know but it's my now my character choice for him
1: okay chapter
0: chapter five uh in case you're wondering yes this does have an author's note and it does begin with stop flaming if you flam it means you're a prep or a poser the only reasons dumbledore swore is because he had a headache okay <laughs> that's the best reason for dumbledore swearing that's why i swear it's kind and of, okay, and on top of that he was mad at them for having sex. PS, I'm not updating until I get 5 good reviews. Dumbledore made and Draco and I follow him. He kept shouting at us angrily. "You ludicrous fools!" he shouted. Hmm. I started to cry, tears of blood down my pallid face. Draco comforted me. When we went back to the castle, Dumbledore took us to Professor Snape and Professor McGonagall, who were both... I'm surprised, they spelled McGonagall perfectly. Who were both looking very angry. They were having sexual intercourse in the Forbidden Forest! He yelled in a furious voice. Why did you do such a thing, you mediocre dunces? asked Professor McGonagall. How dare you? demanded professor snape and then draco shrieked because i love her everyone was quiet dumbledore and professor mcgonagall still looked mad but professor snape said fine very well you may go up to your rooms draco and i went upstairs while the teachers glared at us are you okay ebony draco asked me gently Yeah, I guess. I lied. I went to the girls' dorm and brushed my teeth and my hair and changed into a low-cut black floor-length dress with red lace all around it and black high heels. When I came out, Draco was standing in front of the bathroom and he started to sing I Just Wanna Live by Good Charlotte. I was so flattered even though he wasn't supposed to be there. We hugged and kissed. After that, we said good night, and he reluctantly went back into his room. Chapter 6. Author's note. Shut up, preps, okay? P.S., I won't update until you give me good (laughs) revows. The the next day, I woke up in my coffin. I put on a black miniskirt that was all ripped. Well, at least she's consistent. It was in a coffin. Yeah, I mean. Uh, It was all ripped around the end and a matching top with red skulls over it and high-heeled boots that were black. I put on two pairs of skull earrings, two crosses in my ears, and I spray-painted my hair with purple. In the great hall, I ate some Count Chocula cereal, but with blood instead of milk and also a glass of red blood. Suddenly, someone bumped into me. All the blood spilled over my top. Bastard! I shouted angrily. I regretted saying it, because when I looked up, I was looking into the pale face of a gothic boy with spiky black hair and red streaks in it. He was wearing so much eyeliner that it was going down his face, and he was wearing black lipstick. He didn't have glasses anymore. Now he was wearing red contact lenses just like Draco's. And there was no sh- scar on his forehead anymore. He had manly stubble on his chin with a sexy English accent. He looked exactly like Joel Madden.
1: Oh, with a spoon.
0: He was so sexy that my body went all hot when I saw him. Kind of like an erection, only I'm a girl, so I didn't get one, you sicko. I'm, I'm so sorry, he said in a shy voice. That's all right. What's your name? I questioned. My name's Harry Potter, although most people call me vampire these days. He yeah. Why? I exclaimed. Because I love the taste of human blood. He giggled. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a vampire, I confessed. Really? He whimpered. Yeah, I roared. We sat down to talk for a while. Then Draco came up behind me, told me he had a surprise for me, so I went away with him. Chapter 7, Bring Me to Life. This one has an actual title. Wake me up! Wake me up inside! Sorry. Uh, Author's note. Well, okay, you guys. I'm only writing this because I got five God reviews. And by the way, won't write the next chapter till I get 10 god... Oh my god, this is so bad! The spelling of this! Like, obviously saying, till I get 10 good reviews. This is legit what's written. Till I get 10 God Vons. <laughs> God, Stop flaming, or I'll report you. Ebony isn't a Mary Sue, okay? She isn't perfect, she's a Satan tits. And she has problems, she's depressed for God's sake. Draco and I held our pale white hands with black nail polish as we went upstairs. I was wearing red Satanist sings on my nails and red nail polish. Author's note, she does that sound like a Maru-su to you? I waved to Vampire. Dark misery was in his depressed eyes. I guess he was jealous of me that I was going out with Draco. Anyways, I went upstairs excitedly with Draco. We went into his room, locked the door, then we started Frenching passively.
1: Passively. (laughs)
0: Simply. Then we took each other's, off each other's clothes enthusiastically. He felt me up before I took of my top. Then I took off my black leather bra and he took off his pants. We went on the bed and started making out naked. Then he put his boy's thingy in mine and we had sex! <laughs> it's in all caps. It has to be yelled. See, is dat stupid? That's in parenthesis, so I guess author's note. Oh, Draco! Draco! Stop! Draco. I- Draco- Oh! Stop. I screamed while- <laughs> When all of a sudden I saw a tattoo I had never seen before on Draco's arm. It was a black heart with an arrow through it. On it in bloody gothic writings were the words Vampire! I was so <laughs> angry. You bastard! I shouted angrily, jumping out of the bed. No! No, you, but you don't understand, Draco pleaded, but I knew too much. No, you fucking idiot, I shouted. You probably have AIDS anyways. <gasps> no. They have already had intercourse, so what she meant to say is, we have AIDS. Oh my god. I put on my clothes all huffly, then stomped out. Draco ran out, even though he was naked. He had a really big you-know-what, but I was too mad to care. I stomped out and did so until I was in Vampire's classroom, where he he was having a lesson with Professor Snape and some other people. Vampire Potter, you motherfucker! And that is it of the story of Ebony. Until next time.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> we had sex! Um... I can't believe that you picked that as your fanfiction.
0: Brenna, before this show even started, I knew if Harry Potter ever came, like, I remember sitting down, like, I put in my schedule, like, okay, just remember today, you gotta find your fanfiction for Harry Potter, and then I just started laughing and
1: went, wait a minute, I don't have to look for shit, I've got it already. See it, I spent hours like laboriously trying to find a really good one, and I found a really good one, and then you just come and drag us back down in the dirt.
0: Brenna, stop flaming, okay? You what is
1: flaming?
0: <laughs> I think it's like if you're insulting oh like a flame war on the internet would be like a bunch of comments all insulting one another but you know who we never insult Brenna? who
1: do we never ever insult scotty our
0: our lovely patrons over at patreoni.com slash a load of bs that's right ladies and gentlemen if you like fun fiction if you like a load of bs if you like any of these shows then you can support us you can support us preps <laughs> online at com slash a load of BS, you'll get access to our exclusive Discord. You get shouted out every single week on a load of BS. You get to chat with us on the Discord. It's fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. But only if you join us over at com slash a load of BS. So, Brenna... It's now time. I, this has been the most, I think the most rushed fan fiction I've written. Now that it's gotten from, I can just read like a general idea and now I have to actually write shit out. I may have rushed a bit through this.
1: You don't have to do anything. This is, this is your podcast. You can literally do whatever you want
0: i am I am here for the fans, and I'm here to write for them. The fans and I love each other. we
1: had sex. no, no, you did not have relations with any of our listeners. no hold on wait
0: i can't I can neither confirm
1: nor deny it but <laughs> uh,
0: but i like I said, one of my main problems with the book. How much? How fucking racist they are against Slytherins! How oh much they Lord! Hate, here we how go! Much, how much they hate my people? How much they want my people to die? I felt bad. To die? Like no
1: wouldn't No, you're being a I, little dramatic.
0: I hate. They hate me, and I don't support it. So I am gonna fix it with my <laughs> own fanfiction. All right. So let's get into this. <clears throat> And this, uh by the way, I usually write third person, and so I, I, this is a challenge this week. I did go. Did you go? Personally. Oh my god! All right. My name is Samuel Nails. I'm 11 years old, and I'm gonna be a student at Hogwarts School of Rich Qua- Witchcraft and Wizardry, <laughs> like my mother. I know. I said rich craft. <laughs> I'm going to be a student at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry like my mother and father before me. They were both proud Slytherins, but Mom wants me to go into Ravenclaw. I'm I'm not sure why. I mean, some of the greatest wizards of our time were Slytherin. Merlin was a Slytherin. I'm not sure exactly why we've we've gotten such a bad rap. Mom Mom always blames the Malfoys for it, but I don't know. She always said the Malfoys were the... Were the sec were the worst? Uh, let me start that over. <clears throat> mom always said that the Malfoys were the worst thing to happen to the Slytherin house. Well, second worst. She never would tell me what the most terrible thing was, but anyways, I got my acceptance letter earlier today and mom immediately started crying her eyes out. I just kind of stared at it in awe. I couldn't believe it. I was actually going to be a student of Hogwarts. I'm going to Hogwarts. I'm going to be a wizard i'm gonna be a wizard like my mother like my father at least mom tells me he was a wizard i mean she says he was one of the greatest wizards the slytherin house ever saw but he died before i was born so i don't actually really know about that i mean right before we got my letter right right after we got my letter mom rushed me away to diagon alley did you know those bricks move it's (laughs) awesome I begged mom for a new owl, but she said she had. I had to use her old one, Bertram. He's missing a huge patch of feathers on his head, and he bites at me all the time. But to quote mom, he can carry your letters, and that's all that matters. I mean, we don't have that much money, but we managed to get a few things that I couldn't have handed down to me. Like my new wand. It's made of holly with unicorn hair core. It's so awesome! I immediately started trying out spells, but mom really ripped that wand away from me pretty quickly. I mean, I couldn't help but notice the other kids roaming with their Nimbus 2000s, exotic animals, extravagant things. And I asked mom why we don't have money like them. And she just growled, Malfoy's, and pulled me back out of Diagon Alley. Later in the night, we just ordered pizza to celebrate and watched a few movies and then fell asleep. It was a small life, but I didn't care. I didn't care about that because I was going to be a wizard. And now we have a bit of a time skip as he goes through the school year, or as he goes through summer. And this this next part kind of takes place on the train. I'm an idiot. I should have kept my mouth shut, but I didn't. Mom told me a long time ago the importance of silence. Do you know why you should stay silent, she asked? It's better to keep your mouth shut and let others think you're a fool than opening your mouth and confirming it? Oh, no, 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 not that silly muggle phrase. No, son, you are you are no fool. You are dangerously intelligent, and that, that intelligence scares others. It will terrify them away from you and prevent you from getting anywhere with that beautiful brain of yours. It's what people fear Slytherins. It's why they hate us. They know that the cunning we possess, and they know that the evils that certain people will do with that cunning... Like the Malfoys? Like the Malfoys. Ironically enough, it would be a Malfoy that reminded me of that very lesson. As I rode on the Hogwarts Express, I kept hearing whispers of a young boy on the train. A young boy named Harry Potter. Everybody kept calling him the boy who lived, but that doesn't exactly seem that impressive to me. I mean, I've lived for like 11 hmm. years so far. Anyways, I saw Draco Malfoy, and he walked up to Potter's car and he started mocking him. He was taunting him. He had these two cronies behind him, and they tried stealing his food. How dumb could you be? That kid is a celebrity, and Malfoy's doing nothing but embarrassing himself. So I couldn't help myself. As he passed by my car, I laughed and said, Hufflepuff, (sighs) what did you say to me? He asked in that annoying tone of his. I'll kill you. And that's That's where it should have ended. That's where I should have shut my mouth and not said another word, but I pressed the issue. Well, you just confronted the boy who lived, which doesn't exactly seem like the most intelligent move, so you're certainly not going to be a Ravenclaw. You brought those two idiots as backup, so you were clearly afraid of Harry, so you're not a Gryffindor. And instead of trying to make friends with the famed Harry Potter, you mocked him in quite possibly the least cunning move I've ever seen, meaning that you're definitely no Slytherin. wonder how your parents are going to feel about that, Malfoy. I thought I had won. I mean, his nose shriveled shriveled up like a little rat as he pouted, My father will hear about this! I merely smiled in response until he tacked on, And I guess your father, well, he won't be hearing about anything, will he, Nails? I stared. I wanted to scream. I wanted to lash out. I wanted to attack that little puke, but I couldn't. I would just let him know that he won, and I refused to give Draco Malfoy the courtesy of a victory. I was forced to eat my words further when he was sorted into Slytherin, the hat- barely touched his head before it declared him a Slytherin, and he stared at me with the most punchable smile as he walked to the table. Later, as I was called to be sorted, I thought maybe Ravenclaw wouldn't be so bad. I mean, I'm pretty brave. I'd make a good Gryffindor. I'd take Hufflepuff at this point. But the hat still called out Slytherin. And I watched Malfoy immediately begin planning ways to torture me in ways I couldn't believe. They luckily have rules against fighting at this place, but they found other forms of abuse. Like sleep deprivation. Which is how I'm writing to you tonight. The three of them seemed to be taking turns, rushing my bed, shaking me awake and preventing me from getting any sleep, but I don't care. I refuse to let Malfoy win. We might be on the same team this year, but every point I score for Slytherin will be for the Nails family, not the Malfoys. I will win the House Cup for my mother, my father, and for every Slytherin that the Malfoys did wrong. I will fix the house that they destroyed. All this sleep deprivation is doing is just strengthening my resolve to prove to Malfoy that I am the greatest Slytherin to ever live. Another time, Skip. You are absolutely the worst Slytherin I've ever seen. Malfoy had been screaming this sentiment at me for the last few hours, and I was starting to believe him. I'd spent all year focused on winning the House Cup. I did my schoolwork perfectly. I answered correctly when called upon. I was awake when I was supposed to be and in bed at the same time every night, which was albeit a bit difficult with the constant torture at the hands of Malfoy's crew. I earned nearly 40 points alone in my first three months, far more than Malfoy possibly could have, but, you know, who's counting? Tell me exactly what was going through your mind, snails. They had began calling me snails after realizing that on each teacher's roll, my name appeared, but only my first initial and my last name, which unfortunately reads as snails. I'm sure there are worse names to be called, but I certainly wasn't happy with it. The incident Malfoy kept referring to happened earlier in the day. Neville Longbottom's frog got away from him once again, and it led to this huge search through the courtyard featuring me and several other first years. I got it, a voice called from a nearby bush. It was a young Hufflepuff named Joshua Oak. He had long blonde hair, which he had tied up into a ponytail with bright beautiful, ugh, with bright blue eyes. Before he could bring it to Neville, however, one of Malfoy's lackeys quickly rushed him and stole the frog away. Joshua, Neville, and I gave chase through the corridors as the frog was soon delivered to Malfoy. He smiled wickedly as Snape came upon the massive group of us. What exactly seems to be going on here? He asked with a raised eyebrow. Snape was a tall, thin man with long, dark hair. His intimidating stance certainly didn't do much for the bad PR situation Slytherin found itself in, but who am I to judge? Oh, Neville! I've been looking all over for you. Malfoy rushed towards Neville with a mock smile, putting on his best acting abilities. He quickly handed the toad over as Snape watched on. I found your frog in the garden, and I just knew you'd be kicking yourself if I didn't get it back to you. Hmm. A very kind action, Malfoy. Ten points to Slytherin, Snape declared, and with a whoosh of his cape, quickly turned away. I stared as Joshua kicked his feet sadly. I sighed and quickly ga- grabbed him by the hand, rushing for Snape. Professor Snape, I called. Malfoy didn't find that toe. Joshua did. I saw him do it with my own eyes. Is this true? He asked as the exhausted oak slowly nodded his head yes. Snape sighed as he glared at Malfoy. Well then, ten points to Hufflepuff it is. And with that, Snape turned away as Joshua stared at me in awe. We both smiled at each other until Malfoy quickly busted in. It seemed that ten points was enough to let Hufflepuff catch up to us in the house cup, but that didn't matter. I knew I could get us those points back. I mean, what good is winning if we have to lie about it anyways? But Malfoy would never let me forget it. He would never let me forget the day that I cost us first place. And then we skipped to the end of the school year. We all sat in the great hall as Dumbledore took the stage. The Slytherin table was ecstatic because thanks to my help, Slytherin had gotten the points to take the house cup for the seventh year in a row, a record I intended to keep throughout my years here. The hall was decorated in silver and green, and it was just... It was just beautiful. All of my hard work, my studies, it had all paid off. Me and a fellow Slytherin, Millicent Millicent Underhorn, high-fived as I knew she worked just as hard as I did. Suddenly, Dumbledore's voice booms out across the Great Hall. I have a few more points to give out. And with that, he gave out nearly 170 points for Gryffindor's bravery, which, to be fair, they already knew about. It's kind of in the description of Gryffindor House uh, for their wisdom, and 50 whole points for a game of chess. Look, I'm not exactly sure how good Ron Weasley is at the game, but he better be pretty darn good for 50 points. And with that, the House Cup was lost. All of my work, all of my dedication, the sleepless nights dealing with Malfoy was for nothing. Nearly 200 points given away to three rule breakers that not a few weeks ago were caught sneaking into one of the towers at nearly two in the morning. I heard they actually had a dragon with them. And we lost because of them. I did everything I could. I did everything. I kept saying these words to my mother over and over as she drove back towards England, taking me home for the summer. Her face stared at the road before her, stoic. I could tell she was disappointed. Mom? I finally asked after a long silence. I'm... I'm so sorry that we lost. Really? She finally responds with a small laugh. I mean, we never got the house cup once when I was there. I mean, at least you guys got close. This just means next year, you're definitely gonna get it. (laughs) Hmm. Right? I, I guess. I sigh when suddenly she reaches into the back of the car and handed me a small envelope. What's this? Well, the night your father left us, he wrote this, and he told me to give it to you after your first year. She sighs as I pull the wax seal away from the envelope. I don't know if he knew what was going to happen that night or, or what, but... He left this for you. I opened the envelope and pulled out a letter which read, Dear Samuel, congratulations on your first year at Hogwarts. A proud Slytherin, I imagine? I know in my time there, Slytherin was a proud house, and people wanted to join us whether we won the House Cup or not. I know in recent years a lot has happened to our house, but I'm sure you can rebuild it. I need you to. You are going to have a mountain of work ahead of you, but I know you can do it. I need you to make Slytherin the proud house it once was. People think Slytherins are obsessed with victory and power, but that's simply not true. We never won a house cup once during my time there. A fact that your mother begrudgingly brings up every time we discuss it. Victory isn't the key to being a Slytherin. We lose sometimes. We need to. Sometimes it's important to step aside and give the victory to those that truly deserve it. I mean, we aren't monsters. We aren't demons. We are proud Slytherins. And as far as power is concerned, a true Slytherin only craves power if it means helping the world around him. A true Slytherin uses his cunning and wit to improve the lives of those around him. A true Slytherin wants to leave the world a better place, but unfortunately, there are numerous other Slytherins out there that think differently. They want to gain power, to help themselves. But just remember that a true Slytherin gains power to help the world. Sincerely, your father, Gregory Nails. P.S., If this letter makes it to you, I'm assuming I'm gone. In which case, I want you to have this. I shook the envelope, and from within it came a small badge. A green badge which read, Prefect. Mm. It was my father's from his time at Hogwarts. I smile as I pin it to my chest, and Mom's car roars down the road. She looks at me with a smile as I look down at the shiny pin. So... How does it feel?" she asks with a smile as we arrive home, patting me on the shoulder. "Becoming a wizard." Oh. I'm not just a wizard. I smile as I wrap my green and silver scarf around my neck, holstering my wand, stepping out into the cold London air. I'm a Slytherin. The is that
1: was very sweet. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. I liked that a lot. Uh huh.
0: I have. I'm sorry. I gotta rent my house and I gotta. I gotta support my people.
1: <laughs> Look, Slytherin does get a bad rap, but it. it, it there's good people in there, and you. You're damn right. And you
0: showcased like it. Boy. Good for you. Mm-hmm. That's right, my girl. So, Miss Brenna, it's been an episode. Yes, we it got has. me all. We got me all prepped and ready to go to Harry Potter World. I'm excited. Uh, But for now, where can they find you on the internet?
1: Look me up at uh, Twitter and Instagram at Brennasaur. B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. Yeah.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Moe. That's S C O T T Y E M O. And make sure to go on to Amazon and buy all my books. There's BS versus the Gods, the entire Queezlecorp Corp trilogy. I mean, the first one's not that good in Queezlecorp, Corp, but it's it's like Harry Potter. It oh my god. <laughs> And, of course, make sure to go to a load of com and check out all the other BS Network programs. If you like pro wrestling, check out Fight Boys. If you like theme parks, Opposite Attractions is the way to go. And if you like just hearing two best friends talk to each other for an hour... You're already listening to it.
1: I'm just kidding. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Aww. Aww. But yeah, check out a load of BS as well, ladies and gentlemen, all over at a load BS dot com. Remember to pick up your fun fiction merch at merch a load of BS dot com, and to donate to our Patreon. Find us on Facebook. Wow, we got a lot of links we can talk about now. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Get it, baby, and then subscribe if you haven't, and leave us a review on iTunes. Every single little bit you guys can do helps. So yeah. This has been Fun Fiction. She has been Brenna Clark. I've been Scotty Moe. And until next time, stay away from Baby Hitler.
1: Wait, wait. What? what is that, It was.